Hey everyone, it's me, your Dungeon Master, Russ Moore. Thank you for joining us today. We are on a little bit of a break for the holidays, but we'll be back on January 8th. In the meantime, we have a lovely podcast to fill your days with that you should definitely go check out. It's Snyder's Return, a tabletop role-playing podcast where they feature an actual play story as well as interviews with industry writers and creators and podcasters. And today, that's what we have for you, an interview with Adam from Snyder's Return interviewing Lauren Urban. Lauren is the Dungeon Master for Dungeon Drunks. She's a podcaster and D&D Beyond Community Manager. I've had the chance to work with her and chat with her a whole bunch. She's lovely, and I can't wait for you to hear this interview. After you do, if you enjoy what you heard, make sure to give a subscribe to Snyder's Return. Links are down in the description. But that's it for me. Hopefully you enjoy this episode, and we'll be back on January 8th with regular DM to GM episodes. Hello and welcome to Snyder's Return, a tabletop role-playing podcast. My guest today is a distinguished dungeon master who has guided many a humble adventurer into Dungeons & Dragons. She's a musician, dungeon master, player, podcaster and D&D Beyond community manager. She achieves all this and more while enjoying a good drink with good friends. My guest today is the incredible Lauren Urban. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. What a lovely intro. I do not know how I'm going to be able to to stand up to that intro. Wow. <laughs> well, you already live up to most of that. It's just uh, telling everybody about it. So starting with that, would you like to tell everybody how you got into podcasting and, and tabletop role-playing games, please? Oh, podcasting started before the tabletop role-playing, actually. I had a friend who is now one of my players in my D&D podcast, who was doing a podcast for the Rooster Teeth community, essentially. Just a fun weekly, mostly inspired by the the people who actually work at Rooster Teeth, their podcast. And this was kind of the community part of that. He asked me to be on it, uh, Jack Edothil from my show, one of my best friends. And I said, sure, because I had done some radio in the past, because I'm old. So I was kind of interested in getting back into doing that kind of performing without being an oboist. And so for a couple of years, we did that. And that morphed into us putting together this D&D group that then became a D&D live stream podcast, because when fourth edition was morphing into fifth edition, that was still kind of the best way to hear live play D&D was podcast format. That's how Acquisitions Incorporated started. That's how a lot of D&D content was being presented. Uh, Twitch wasn't really a thing. YouTube was was just barely starting to be a thing that they would pre-record some of the games. So we put out this podcast and it was 100% we were podcasters who wanted to play D&D and so it made sense for us to just record it and put it out into the universe and little did we know that that was going to be a, a very common thing for a lot of fans of D&D to want to do. And so we joined some distinguished ranks. And 
it kind of folded from there. But yeah, I, I originally did a little bit of radio when I was living down in Florida. And so when a opportunity to do a podcast came along, I signed up. And then when a D&D podcast was presented, I said, sure. Well, uh, you've been uh, part of or the D- DM for the Dungeon Junks uh, for a while now. And at time of recording, you were on your 224th episode. I did have to check that. Um <laughs> I'm a listener myself and thoroughly enjoy it. Would you like to ex- expand on Dungeon Drunks and tell everybody a little bit more and when they can find it? Sure. Dungeon Drunks releases an episode every Monday. We usually put out somewhere between 45 minutes to an hour and a half. I, I am a firm believer in podcasts being of a reasonable length. And so sometimes our games get uh, cut into multiple episodes. And it's literally... M- my home game, I guess you could say, even though it's always been a podcast and always been over the internet because we all live in different parts of the country, but it is, it is the game I would run around my table. We just run it over the internet. It's me and four of my best friends sitting. uh, We break the ice a little bit by talking about what we're drinking. Thus the name dungeon drunks. It's not always alcohol. We actually have a player on the show who now has been sober for a year. And so doesn't drink any alcohol. Uh, Often one of us is drinking tea, uh, whatever it is that we're drinking. It's just part of the, the icebreaker at the beginning to kind of get into chatting. And so what are you drinking? And then we just start to play. And it's been a multi-year campaign that started many, many years ago I was intending on actually running Tyranny of Dragons. I was going to run Horde of the Dragon Queen. And as often happens when I run a game, I say, oh, okay, everybody's all interested in this, but let me pull from this and I'll do some homebrew stuff along the way. And then it very quickly just turned into almost 100% homebrew with a few things from that campaign thrown in for, for good measure. So that's that's where it started and that's what it continues to be. It is four of us or my four players and me playing like we would if the cameras and the uh, microphones weren't on it is really entertaining i'd strongly suggest anyone that uh, wants to listen to a, a dnd podcast go and listen to the dungeon junks and you don't just it's not just your core world you you've been uh drawn into some of the significant releases that uh wizard of the coast have put out uh most recently you did a a venture shall we say into theros Yeah, so uh, we've been really lucky the last couple of years in being able to partner up with a bunch of different podcasts to do some of the big events that have come out. Um, And while Theros ended up just kind of being on our own, a bunch of the other big releases we've uh, done kind of a collaborative thing, either the the podcast of Annihilation, and we did um, we did the podcast of Avernus, in where we would do an episode that was part of a a group of shows and podcasts who were all putting a big adventure together, and the that's always fun because, as I said, we were excited to join the wider podcast community, and a lot of those podcasts are filled with other awesome people who I always am excited to either play with or adjacent to whenever I can. And we've been able to have a couple guests on and it's, it's been an opportunity to jump into a, the wider community and have a lot of fun. And then my personal goal has always been to have that stuff be in Canon, which after 200 episodes is sometimes a a bit of a challenge, but Mm. 
I, I enjoy it because then I like my players to be able to reference those moments as we go forward. So, so far I've been able to do it. Although oftentimes I do, I've, I've gone into cliches. It has been dream sequences and sudden portals, but Hey, you know, the, everybody's game for something fun like that. So we've been very lucky. I've, I've really enjoyed those uh, extra adventures you've done and you're not trapped behind the DM screen. You have appeared on a, a or, are part of a number of the other podcasts. Could you mention a few of those? Yeah. So my work with D&D Beyond has let me not only go and guest on a bunch of awesome shows, but we have our own shows. Um, Silver and Steel, which is a live stream on Tuesdays that I play on. And our our other show that started when I first started working at D&D Beyond, it was originally called Heroes of the Veil. And then after two chapters of that, it morphed into Beyond Heroes. And that is coming to a close. Uh, that show recently ended and we have a four-part mini-series called Fire and Forge and where a bunch of our characters are it's we're closing out the storyline and some of those characters are going over to silver and steel because we're just going to have the one show going forward mm. so it has been a pleasure to play on those shows and i am uh it, it's been nice to play especially when beyond heroes was on because for a very long time i was one of those forever dms so having a chance between that and a couple of other shows that i've had a, a chance to be on have given me the chance to be a player in a major campaign and that I think it's useful for any forever DM to to get the chance to play, not just because everyone deserves a chance to play, but also it it gives you a fresh perspective on things. It gives you that that other side of the the table joy and sometimes terror, depending on the game. But <laughs> but yeah, th that's been a lot of fun, and I'm excited to see. So my uh, my Dragonborn cleric is very soon going to be migrating over to Silver and Steel and continuing her adventures over there. That's, that is exciting. And uh, you've, uh, you've also starred or played as Rock in the Demon Plague, and uh, you've uh, appeared with the, the Personally, I find them excellent. The Taking Initiative podcast as well. Oh yes. Uh, so, do you often get the chance to sort of guest spot in the? Uh, you mentioned sort of playing as part of uh, your cleric, uh, but do you often get chances to sort of guest spot in other podcasts that are out there as well? Absolutely. It's been less podcasts recently just because there's been way more live streams, but I try to say yes to as much as possible, especially other podcasts, because that those are my roots. And some of those people have been being podcasters and D&D podcasters for years now. And so th they're often people that I've wanted to play with for forever. And anytime that I get the chance to, to join on in, whether it's a one shot or a guest spot or whatever, that has been a lot of fun. And I've, I haven't been able to do as much recently um, in a way because there's just been so much and, and I've been really busy in the last couple of months, but uh, what we have been able to do is I, I've been guest spotting as my, that dragonborn cleric of mine or Kira, she shows up in a couple other shows and that has been super fun. And we've been working on it the same way. The podcasts have been sharing a universe and trying to play together as often as possible. A lot of the live streams are doing the same thing. So being able to work with a bunch of other live streams and pull together kind of a larger cinematic universe has been, has been great fun. And 
I would do it all the time if I could. <laughs> Which brings us to what your your job really is uh, as D&D community manager. How, how have you found taking on that role and, and sort of being a part of community from that aspect? It's daunting. Uh, it's one thing to just be a fan of everything, and then it's another to be kind of in that official capacity as both a fan and an advocate and also working for a company. And it's opened up a lot of opportunities to help people and support streamers, especially with charity work. I am a, a huge fan of anyone who is going to raise money for a, a worthy cause. And I think the D&D community in general has some deep roots in work, in the idea of we're going to play a silly game on the internet and raise money for charity, or we're going to promote a charity while we play. And so it's been gratifying to now be in a position in where I've got the full backing of D&D Beyond behind me in supporting anyone who's doing you know, uh, fundraising for Red Nose Day or the Trevor Project or Game to Grow or you know any of the, the so many wonderful uh initiatives that are out there and to do it while playing D, which you know has been a lot of fun and to participate in some of those streams as well but the double-edged sword of this community is it has grown exponentially over the last couple of years you know there's there's those moments in where you think back to five or six years ago when there was no live streaming D&D. There was very little D&D. When 5th edition first started, it was it was coming from a place in where very few people were playing, or at least playing publicly. And then it's just grown so large. And gone are the days in where you can watch all of the shows. Gone are the days in where I can keep up with all of the podcasts and all of the shows because there's there's more going on you know, just in the 15 minutes that we've been talking, I've already missed so much. And that's, <laughs> and there's part of me that, you know, feels that, that I used to be the person that would watch and listen to all of it because there wasn't that much. And now there is that much, which is amazing. But it's also weirdly frustrating to be the person who wants to uh, be in the community and helping and talking to people in the community and not knowing where to go or not having enough time to go because there's just so much. So I think it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird moment for me, but I think it's good for everybody because having that variety out there is amazing, but it's, it can be stressful at times when, you know, I'm looking at the five different streams that are going on at the same time and the backlog of podcasts and knowing that I'm just not going to be able to keep up with it all and trying to hop around places and talk to people and be in discords and, and know that it's never going to be enough, you know? Yeah. I've, I've restricted myself to, I think I'm, I've managed to claw myself back to four podcasts on rotation. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I miss out on like the critical role stream and, and things like that because of that time is, is also time for other podcasts and time for family and time for X, Y, and other commitments and things like that. So I, I certainly feel your frustrations there. Absolutely. Uh, so you mentioned appearing on and playing as part of either charity games or moving Akira across to others, uh, other live streams or podcasts. 
is there characters that you've created that you've just got sat on the back burner and you're just waiting for that opportunity to to use them or uh, do you just take what uh, your guest spot sort of brings to you and, and build from there how do you sort of have a create and control your characters in that respect so most of the time the the joy that i get out of character creation is filling gaps and i i don't know if it's because of the fact that i've had this opportunity to jump around and play in a bunch of shows or that i was a dm for so long but my when i get asked to either join a one shot or a small campaign or a a stream or whatever and i'm going to create a different character my first instinct is to find out okay who is already in the game what are the other characters in the game because i like having a role to fill mm. and while i completely believe that you can have an entire party of human clerics and everybody can be a complete different character like there can be overlap with races and classes and all of that what i find however is that by looking at a party comp it it's that idea of if you have a blank page there's nothing to write but if you have some constraints it gives you a place to start so looking at what the other players are doing or if they haven't figured it out what they're thinking about doing can help weed out all of the options and give me a, a place to go. Oh, this party has a lot of magic users, so they could really use someone melee. Oh, this party is very caster-focused, uh, but there's no healers. Uh, that kind of thing. And so that's usually where I start building my characters, uh, is what's missing? What role can I fill? What unique place can I come in that's not currently being covered and then what is the general uh what's the the general world or what's the general adventure and build something from there uh and then the other thing that i really like doing that i've mostly ran is the all party comp of one thing i've run an all tabaxi adventure uh i've got an all cleric adventure in the works um I've I've I ran it all Eric Coker adventure. I I do love presenting those one shots to people and then watching as people can build an entire party out of the similarities that they have. But me personally when I go in for a game I'm looking for what are they missing and where can I build from there? And that that usually gives me a, an excellent place to start. Well, yeah, you know, it's important to sort of support. You don't want to step on toes or steal the limelight from someone that's uh, a regular, I guess. Yeah. Um, but with with the way you've spoken about character creation, what has been your biggest influence on the way you, you DM and, and run a game and, and how you also role-play characters? The... Ooh, as a DM, I pull from all sorts of other DMs, and and a lot of it has been listening to podcasts and watching streams, uh, because everyone who DMs has their own particular style and strengths and weaknesses, and things that they specifically do incredibly well. And so, watching like watching Matt Mercer is inspirational. But also being able to go, oh, I like this one thing that he does. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that and incorporate that into my playing. Watching um, uh, Jerry from Penny Arcade when he's doing the C team. The, mm. Watching Todd as I play on on Beyond Heroes and some of the stuff that he does. Watching, you know, any of these 
DMs, everyone does something, at least one thing really well that I wish I could do better. And being inspired by that to incorporate that into my own style. And then as a player, I think one of the best piece of it, I don't even remember where I got this piece of advice, but someone, uh, either someone told me or it came out in a conversation that one of the best ways to be a player in a game and to have fun is to be the player that asks the other characters questions, be the player, you know, if, if you don't know what to do, if you're unsure how to help or if you're unsure how to be a part of a game without taking over the spotlight, which everyone deserves to do every now and then. Every once in a while, your character is just the one that is getting the the main focus of the story. But when you're not or when there isn't and you're working as a team, how do you best go about that? And if you're unsure ask questions in or out of character, but especially in character, being the character that even just asks, okay, what do we do now? Uh, Should we go over here or we go over there? Ask the question and prompt other people because somebody in the group will have an answer. And being that character that sparks other characters to reply, it, it's, it feels good. And it doesn't have to mean that you never get to, uh, present an idea but it helps in those moments where you're like i don't know what to do and you know maybe we're spinning our wheels or maybe we don't know how to go forward or maybe things are a little awkward right now because we just started the game or this is a one shot we're still getting to know each other be the character that asks questions be the person that asks other players what do they think we should do and and then roll with those answers sound advice and something i'm definitely gonna uh, encourage my players who are who are actually quite good at this they're able to sort of prompt each other but definitely something that I'll look to uh, incorporate in my games even from the other side of the screen maybe an NPC prompts just a single question and hope that sort of moves everything forward yeah definitely it's if most people who play D&D they want to actually do things and we all have that moment of we don't know what to do now and just having someone ask your opinion and knowing in at least in the D&D space that you're in oh this is a place in where I can have a I can have a bad idea and it's okay uh, but I'm being asked what my idea is and that's exciting and then and then supporting that idea is that's that's one of my favorite things to do in a D&D game and it almost always helps move the game forward and get the the party rolling yeah absolutely i think the I think it's true for most DMs that have seen it. The analysis paralysis in front of a locked door seems to <laughs> you know, grind games to an instant halt as the table looks at each other as if to say, what do we do now? Yep. So, uh, yeah. Um, speaking of locked doors and dungeons and things like that, you run an amazing campaign for Dungeon Drunks, but from the NPCs and monsters you've used, which have been the, your sort of favorites that you've used so far, I don't want to sort of give away too many spoilers, but um, an encounter that is most memorable to you. The, to be honest, it's what the players do is usually as a DM, what makes the encounters memorable. I enjoy throwing encounters. If, if we're talking about a, a straight on fight, I enjoy throwing encounters that the monsters are going to offer a specific challenge it might just be a specific challenge to one player it might be a challenge to the entire group it might be more of a a puzzle type of encounter whatever it is uh, it should it shouldn't just be a throwaway or if 
it doesn't necessarily have to be a deadly life or death encounter. It can be a uh, a fluffy one. It can be one that all right, I know my players are gonna best this encounter, but it's it's gonna tell it's going to inform them of something or it's going to tell them something or it's going to challenge them in some way. And so a a lot of the monsters, the reason that I pick them is they're story related or they're specifically going to challenge a player who could use a challenge or art is going to let a player shine. Um, some of my favorite moments didn't involve very exciting monsters. Uh, they just gave my players an opportunity to do something cool. Um, uh, on my podcast, Jonathan the Magimuscular is, for a very long time, was so focused on fire. And so all of his magic was was evocation fire wizard stuff, and he poured a lot of time and energy into it. And so sometimes I wanted to reward that by offering stuff he could blow up really easily so it could feel powerful and other times i wanted to challenge him by all right here's a whole bunch of stuff that's resistant or immune to fire but you got to be careful because you don't want a player to feel uh like you're picking on them or ostracized so it's like all right here's two bad guys one of them is immune to fire but you can go after the other um and then when he diversified a little bit when he started to grab some other spells i wanted to reward that thinking i wanted to reward that um you know not that it would be bad if he'd continued down the fire path but he very specifically said oh i want to have some other options at my disposal and i wanted to make him feel like those were the right choices um I got a cleric in the party and so every once in a while throwing a horde of undead that I know are just going to get decimated is a lot of fun. But then also including some undead that can resist what she does. And so she has to do some other things. Um, Throwing monsters who are going to attack in a specific way that some of my players are not going to be very good at defending against. Um, But then maybe after the fight when they say oh we're we were really bad at that when they go about figuring out how to get better at defending against a specific kind of creature rewarding them and making the next time they come across a similar type of creature or similar type of efforts make it succeed so for me it's less about a specific creature it's picking the right creature at the right time uh, which doesn't always work because sometimes my idea is I want it to be a, a, this challenging fight that they're going to be able to overcome by the skin of their teeth and feel really powerful. And then my barbarian rolls three natural 20s in a row. <laughs> so sometimes it doesn't happen. Um, if I have to pick specific creatures just in uh, just out of the blue without context, I gravitate towards those that have that are more than just bags of hit points and are more than just a, a melee attack. And especially creatures that have not just that flexibility, but have a story behind them. Um, Recently, flail snails showed up on Silver and Steel, and Lauren, the player, had to stop herself from jumping up and down in glee. (laughs) Because I threw flail snails at my party as soon as they appeared in the book, and I had the stats for them. And I think flail snails are amazing, because you can do so many things with them. They're they are just a beast, so they don't have to be aggressive. So you can have an encounter with them that's not about fighting. They have a bunch of different abilities that are not ones that you normally see in a monster. So if you do fight them, they've got some pretty nifty reactionary stuff. Um, 
And then just because of the way they're described, they're one of the few monsters in any of the official lore that come with, you can harvest stuff from them. If they're alive, you can harvest the glass behind them. If you kill them, you can harvest the shell. And it, the book actually goes into, here's some of the things you can do with the shell, which is amazing. You know, the, there's not a lot of other monsters in the, in any of the books that have, anything like that so they come with all of these really interesting plot hooks and i love them i think they're fantastic and they're ridiculous they're they're human-sized snails i mean come on (laughs) it's just amazing so so yeah i threw them like that the book that they were in came out i think i threw them at my party like two weeks later it i was so excited about them i've thrown (laughs) them at uh, several different one shots uh i have a a short-term work game through dnd beyond i threw them at them i i use flail snails all the time so when they showed up in in silver and steel the if you watch you can see me on a regular basis just grinning ear to ear and i had to do a lot of tampering down my own innate response to people when they were like well what can it do because my character didn't roll very well on her nature checks so my character didn't know very much <laughs> so it was a lot of me just trying to be quiet so that i didn't metagame anything but i was <laughs> super excited about about those flail snails showing up i can definitely second that uh, flail snail i dropped one into barovia and our party went after it relentlessly much to their uh, <laughs> surprise should we say um but they uh, did, did a nature check and got really well. And the artisfer, artisfer managed to sort of harvest the shell for his uh, defender. Oh, and nice! So I, so I allowed him to have the upgrade on 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 that, just to you know reward their creativity. Uh, so yes, flail snails, hands down, one of my favourite. I have many others, but that's one of the ones I've I've enjoyed dropping into my game the most as well. So, With yeah, absolutely. The, with you mentioning work colleagues and things, what does the the future hold for for you, Lauren, professionally or personally as well? Oh, well, personally, uh, I mean, as we are recording this, we are still in the middle of a pandemic, and mm. my I used to joke last year before the pandemic that my day job was D and D and my night job was uh, oboe playing because I am a professional oboist by trade. And until the pandemic came along, that was my life is during the day. And most evenings I would do D and D stuff and work for D and D beyond. And then on the weekends or um, some weeks when I wasn't at a convention or something else going on, I was, I play gigs, I play in orchestras and Hmm. sadly until we get this pandemic under control, the orchestra part of my life is gone for a while because for obvious reasons, not you're not going to want to sit in a room with a couple thousand other people and those of us on stage have to sit very close and be breathing at each other. So that is not a thing that's going to happen. So personally, it's it's been a lot of me leaning and being very grateful to the D&D side, like... Without D&D Beyond, I would be in a lot of trouble because I would have nothing. So it's it's been, I've been very grateful to have it. And I've been able to lean into it more and do some other stuff. Um, as far as professionally, besides enjoying it, um, it's been an interesting transition once again because of the pandemic. Because a lot of the plans that we initially had, especially for me as a community manager, included a lot more conventions, and those have become uh, not a thing. 
uh, at least in person, there's been a lot more virtual conventions. And so it's been a, a game plan change there in just uh, being able to go and both interact at conventions and then also participate in them. Um, if my job is the community managers to reach out into the community and be around, that's a little easier to do in person when, you know, I can just be in a place and hang out with people. Um, so I have to be a little more proactive when everything is online, but it's, it's been an opportunity to also play a lot more. I run a lot more games on uh, for, for people, just one shots. I run, um, we, we have a looking for group on the Discord and on our forums, and I've just put out there, hey, I'm running a one-shot on this day. Anyone want to come? Um, which always surprises me that other people are surprised when that happens. Like, what is what is a staff member for D&D Beyond doing running games? And I'm like, <laughs> I like playing games, and I want to run a game, and I want to run a one-shot. And well, here we are. So, so I've been doing a, a bit more of that. I've been doing um, a lot more just because I've had a little more time with not having the oboe part, I've been able to go and participate a little bit more in, in supporting other shows and other streams and going forward, probably because of the, me missing the performing part of my life, I am looking to get more into the creative side of things. Um, I have done a little tiny bit of, of game design. Mostly I, I've, done a bunch of magic items and some spells and a subclass and i've been you know just trying out a whole bunch of different things in the DD space and seeing what uh what comes next all right well it sounds like you're definitely keeping yourself busy and <laughs> although although you've not been able to sort of go out and play you have been playing on or for twitter i should say so if people want to sample some of your fine oboe playing they can find it on there um speaking of which where can people actually sort of find you on the various social media platforms twitter is the best place that is for my personal account uh come to it's oboe lauren on twitter i i have um ins on all of the social media but most of them tend to be me doing things in a professional capacity as DD beyond so if you're looking for lauren that's where the the best place you'll find me and then um i do a lot of as i said i i hang out in a lot of twitch chats i'm on a ton of discords uh if you come to dndbeyond.com and come to our forums i'm i'm not always able to reply to a lot there, but I do read a ton of stuff on the forums and on our discord. And I, I just hang out there a lot, keeping an eye on just what people are talking about and thinking about. And uh, if you, if you call out to me, depending on what's going on, I will try to answer whether on Twitter or in the D and D beyond discord or on the forums. If you send me a private message, um, I will do my best to get back to you on a regular basis and yeah, but Twitter is the best way to follow me if you're interested in any of the stuff, both personal and professional that I'm doing. All right. So you've been a podcaster for a long time and a almost forever DM. What advice would you give to people who are looking to do either or both? Uh, get yourself the essentials kit or the starter set and do it. Honestly, that's it's it's so it can be daunting, especially if you're looking into getting into being a DM, but it 
doesn't have to be. Um, and I do think both of those starter sets are excellent places to start as both a DM or a player. They're, it comes with everything you need. It comes with uh, some excellent starter adventures that are both friendly for DMs and players. Um, if you're, if money is tight and you don't have the money to spend on either of those sets, take a look at some of the free content that's available all over the place. Uh, one of the, the best things on D&D Beyond is James Hake does Encounters of the Week. And, and not just him. We've had uh, Mackenzie Dimross and uh, Celeste Conowich and a whole bunch of other uh, guests come on and write encounters that are 100% free. Um, and starting out with something small like that, something you can run in two, three hours that you don't feel like you have to memorize a whole bunch of stuff to to be able to run as a dm is fantastic and so come to the site pull an encounter that sounds interesting um if you're if you just want to be a player and uh you're looking for a couple of other players grab a bunch of people and say hey let's do this oftentimes if you're the player who's grabbing other people you turn into the dm and now you know where to go grab an encounter uh but yeah start small like that start with something you're excited about uh do a tiny little session zero if you don't know what that is you can uh, look that up online but a session zero literally is just sit down with everybody or or you can do it over email or on discord over text and talk through what it is all of you want out of the game. All right, this is the, uh, it's, sometimes it's nuts and bolts things. The lengths of the game, uh, who everybody's playing, the style of the game. Hey, are we playing a, a fun, wacky adventure? Are we playing a, a serious fan of high fantasy game? Are we doing something in Eberron? Is this a horror-themed game? Is everybody on board for that kind of thing? Um, talk through the things you want and you don't want. Um, you can look at some safety tools like Lines and Veils or the X card as uh, safety ways in where people can agree to play in a game and feel confident that if something comes up that they're not uh, comfortable with role-playing, they can let people know without going into details. Um, and then just do it and for the players out there be um be mindful of the fact that everybody's new and just try to have fun and try to help everybody have fun uh and remember your dm is just trying to help have fun and if you're the dm remember that your players are trying to have fun and trying to help you have fun and that it's okay if you don't know everything and it's okay if you have to look up a rule and it's okay if you make it up and you get it wrong as long as everyone's trying to have fun and having fun that's the most important thing um but yeah my my biggest suggestion is grab something small and grab a, a bunch of people that you like and go for it to paraphrase jeremy crawford that is says of sage advice from an authority <laughs> in the game um we uh, haven't had time today to sort of go into adventures, including sort of the, the revamped Curse of Strahd and the future of uh, sort of the Ice Icewind Dale adventure. So if you have the time, Lauren, I'd love for you to come back on the show and, and speak to me more about how things in the D&D Beyond community are going, D&D at large, and, and just how you are in, in general. Oh, sure. That'd be great. Well, thank you for your time uh, today. It's been most appreciated i've wanted to uh, have this interview for a long time and i've just been so fortunate that you've been able to find some time so thank you very much well thank you for having me this has been fun and yeah hopefully in the, the next time i come back on hopefully we'll have 
more in-person games. And I, I mean, I'll say this, the you just dropped about the revamped Curse of Strahd. That just got announced. So I'm excited to hear more about that myself. Mm. And Icewind Dale is uh, a, a few more weeks out. So I'm ex- as excited to hear about all of that as you are. Well, that's great to hear. Right. Thank you very much for your time today, Lauren. Thank you. Hi, thanks for listening. If you want to hear more of us or want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Return Snyder. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and also if you wish to support the channel on Patreon at patreon.com slash Snyder's Return. Music and sound effects provided for this episode are from epidemicsounds.com. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Modes of thought in Interran literature. Second year classics, Harvard University. Seven years ago, a Chinese military sub accidentally went down in the Pacific Ocean. Turns out, the sub fell smack in front of a gigantic three-sided pyramid in the ruins of what we now call Dark City. This Interran lit class. Seems like there's a lot of debate about it. Legally, I cannot stop you from teaching this class, but I strongly advise that you... What? You know what? If you want to tank your reputation, that's on you. You don't believe a word I say about Antara, right? You're right. I do not believe Antara exists. I need to know. Is it real? You came all the way to China to find out? Okay, everyone, get out right now. Now, Raquel... What the hell are you doing? I'm gonna cut my hand, and you're all gonna feel it. Ow! See? I told you. Modes of Thought in Interran Literature. An audio drama. Produced by Wolf of the Door Studios. For more information, please visit WLFDR.com.